Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. In this episode of the Tourpreneur podcast, we take a look back at an interview that I conducted back in 2019 with Zakia Malawi of Invisible Cities. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Invisible Cities, Zakia and her team help train homeless people to become tour guides and become tour guides in their own city. It's quite a fascinating story and one we felt was worth sharing again. Now, Zakia will discuss how she came up with the idea of this social enterprise and also some of the pitfalls of opening up in different cities across the UK and aspirations for across the world. Although filmed back in 2019, the information that Zakia shares is still very much relevant today. And my hope is it helps inspire some of our listeners to think a little bit out the box about how they can help the local community while delivering a great experience. So how are we? You well? Good, yeah, thank you. It was very um, inspiring to hear um, a different side of tourism, which felt a lot like our side of tourism. So it was quite mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And you've won a, an award recently as well? Yeah, I won Women in uh, Tourism and Hospitality Award for Tour Company of the Year, which was a delight. Totally not expected <laughs> either. So it was great. Yeah, no, uh, fabulous. So. It's good to be recognised by the industry and, and be in a room full of um, hotel managers and operator managers and to kind of um, hear that support too. So mm-hmm. it was Excellent. great. No, well done. Well done. Thank Congratulations. You. Well deserved. So you, you've always been in the sort of social space. You previously worked at Social Bite um, and you've always had that sort of social enterprise sort of angle to what you do. So with so many different directions you could have gone in, why tourism? What, what was it inspired you to go down this route? I think so. I started uh, my career in Scotland 12 years ago. I come from the south of France um, and I worked, the first organisation that I worked with here was the Homeless World Cup, which uses the power of football, street soccer to support people all across the globe and then once a year. So they kind of come together and organise the World Cup. So we did more logistics and events. So that was my gig for a long time to organise organize events with a thousand people, have a mad three months and then go to, on a holiday for the rest of the year. Um, so, but what it did was it kind of brought two worlds together, um, a very kind of high pressure, high level sports event and the homelessness kind of um, angle. And, and I saw how they could work together and what benefit it would have. Um, and I'd always been kind of fascinated by that dual thing. Um, so, and it's really what inspired me to keep working with homeless people even after I left um, the Homeless World Cup. And it also showed me that um, p- 
people from, obviously it's different to be homeless in Scotland than it is to be homeless in India or in France or in Brazil, Argentina. Um, but people feel the same because people are people and they feel that there is a stigma attached to saying they have needed help or they need help in their lives or um, that sometimes they don't feel like they belong anywhere. So I felt like there was a universal thing that kind of got us all together. And at the same time, there was an issue to tackle, which was probably that stereotype and negative image. Um, and then I went on a trip to Greece um, and it was at the time when you could see on the news refugees coming um, on the shores and there was this horrible photo with the little boy. Um, and I worked in partnership or I knew an organization there, which was the street paper and they work a lot in Athens in particular. And, um, and I was trying to support as much as I could. And um, the street vendors who would sell you the equivalent of the street paper, so the equivalent of the big issue, could also give you a tour of Athens from their perspective. And I thought, right, that's it. That's what I want to do. So I came back. Um, to Scotland and I thought if I can enable a big issue or another homeless organization to do that then I will be really happy so it was never my intention to start and run a social enterprise but it was maybe to initiate that and, and, and kind of create that for them and everybody was saying it's a great idea we'll support you but we don't have money and we don't have time and we don't have staff so good luck um, so and and that's how I was like right okay so do I really want to do that and um, and how it started three years ago um, in Edinburgh. But the social enterprise angle is really important to me because the question that I get asked a lot is, why have you not set up a charity? And I think, no, I think being commercial is important because we don't want to rely on the government or the council to support us because they change. But also it's important for our guides to know that they have to be professional, they do a good job and they are you know, um, they have to deliver and they belong to this company and we can use those skills, the reviews, you know, all the tools that we have for our company to support them better. So it's important that we mix mm -hmm. the two things, which is probably why um, I was always clear it was never going to be anything else but a social enterprise. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So how do, how do your customers respond to your USP? Because um, some people, you know, for the wrong reasons, are, are, are there's a stigma against homeless people, that type of thing. And do you think it hinders with, with how you run the business or how you grow the business? Do you think that has any sort of negative impact on what you guys do? No, I think um, if people are not interested in our unique point, they won't bother. Mm -hmm. They won't give us the time of the day nor their money. So um, another thing that came up was also should we charge for tours and should we not? And again, when um, thinking about all of this, not charging for tours kind of brought us back to that charity mentality. So no, we want a professional product, a, a product that is worth something so people pay um, for it. So we've had that backlash of what do you mean you're charging us for a tour led by somebody who's been homeless before? Um, and but never in we've never had negative um, comments from anyone or anything. I think the thing that's happened is that um, we are now, as we grow, we have more and more customers. So we end up with people that are more maybe mainstream travelers and may not. So we partner, like we're an Airbnb experience, for instance, and you have people who come on the tour and then this angle of alternative social tour is not 
probably the reason, the first reason why they come. So then they, they leave reviews saying, oh, it, it was interesting because they told us about homelessness and, and it was a lot more social than I thought it would be. Or sometimes thinking like, oh, the guide was like, and, and it comes as a surprise. And I think that's because there's people who don't read or who don't read what's on the tin <laughs> and that's it. But so that, and again, it was a great tool for us as we went, um, and we grew to to have more of those comments because then we can use those with the guides themselves and say, the more customers you will have, the more likely it is that, you know, statistically you will have comments like this or maybe neg more negative um, comments. So we try to use it, but I, um, I think it's more, um, it's an interesting thing because it's coming more from the guides. The guides feel that when they all start, they have this, fear that people will judge them, that people will come on the tour specifically to judge and criticize mm. them. So they are afraid to have negative comments. And we keep emphasizing people will not come. They will not spend two hours with you in probably the rain in Scotland. <laughs> they will not pay, you know, the price if they want, if they don't want to support yeah. you. But um, because they have experienced that throughout their lives, you know, when they were on the streets without some of them or comments from family or things like that. So they think that's what they're going to get. That happens a lot more than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it must, it must eventually really build up their confidence so the more and more they do these tours and stuff like that. Must, oh, definitely. Just help them socially as well. So it must be, that's a, it must be a great thing. So how do you, you obviously have to train your potential guides. Um, so what processes do you put them through? And is, is it the guides that actually create the tours or do you help them with that? How, to, to explain that a little bit more. How you? So first we recruit guides only through what I call recruitment partners because it makes it sound a lot more grand than what it is. So we go to organisations like Social Bite, Big Issue, um, Simon Community, you know, people like that. And we say, okay, we are running a training session. Who have you got? Because they will um, refer people on to us and say, oh, we know John and he's got great chat and he'll be great with that. And, and they also, it also refers us onto the people that we work with. So I don't look like a lunatic saying, right, John, would you like to be a guide? You know, so there is a kind of vetting process that way. And then our training process is actually divided into three. So we partnered up in Scotland with Crisis, the homelessness mm -hmm. charity, and they run a really great program called the Skylight program, which is uh, based on soft skills and kind of what they call life skills. So public speaking, self-confidence, self-awareness, managing a group, um, conflict resolution, and we do great uh, place where I am a grumpy customer and I go on and how have they got to kind of manage me so we do that and that's kind of like classroom setup it's set in date and time and and it's open to everyone but the second part is they get matched up with somebody from um, either the hotel industry tour guides from other companies we've had people from um, other heritage organizations and they become that kind of tour um, guides mentor and together they choose a theme, they choose the content, they research, they script, and they start practicing. And then the last um, phase is a practice over and over again. So they practice within their peer, then with the rest of the trainees slash guides, so the older guides, then with the staff, so like with me, and sometimes at that point they peak because they get really nervous because they think, oh, the boss is coming. So, um, so that's fine. And then with members of the public. So last weekend, for instance, in Edinburgh, we had a tour which is open to anyone and we don't charge for those. We ask for feedback mm -hmm. from the general public um, and only when all parties feel like this is. So the feedback has been kind of used and it's good and we feel comfortable and the guide feels comfortable. Then we launch a tour. 
So you, it's a big commitment. I think that's what also I, I like the previous um, talk because it's a long process. For some people, it, it's the shortest we've had that is two months in Glasgow. Um, and then the longest is over a year. Some people just take the time and, and the confidence is maybe really mm -hmm. low still, or they've got learning difficulties in that process. Like there's some other things going on, uh, but it is a big commitment. So that first phase that I mentioned, we have loads of signups because people are like, I can be a guide and that's great. But then they realize, you, yeah. you know, you have to commit the time and effort and energy and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be, you're not going to make a, a quick buck out of this mm -hmm. and then um, so, yeah, it kind of filters through that, those yeah. stages. Excellent. So I, I believe you're currently in four cities. Um, what problems have you had setting up in those cities and what solutions did you uh, bring in to sort of solve any of the problems that you may have had setting up in these cities? Um, I've run myself um, really thin and I think the, for the biggest problem is trying to do everything everywhere. Mm. Um, so now we run after Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester and York, which is launched a few weeks ago. Um, and the, it's, we also have a duty of care, even more so because people are vulnerable or were vulnerable and, and we don't want to set them up to fail. Um, so we have to work with a local organisation that will do that work um, with people on the ground. And in, in Edinburgh, we have um, somebody in the team and she looks after guide support and she will do anything from research and training and, and that kind of content writing to finding somebody a washing machine and you know or accessing a food bank so we refer people on so she, we need that role mm -hmm. everywhere and if that role doesn't exist because the company that wants to do it in the new city is maybe more focused on tourism they need to create that role because we won't go there it will set people to fail it, and it won't be good for all our other cities it won't be good for mm -hmm. the guides so we want to work with a local organization that will take on our ethos and our values and our understanding of what we want to do and we'll make it work. So I'm currently working on a social franchise model, for lack of a better word, um, and what that looks like and the resources that I needed from us to kind of go to other cities um, and what we want to achieve there. So mm -hmm. that's um, the current development, which is really exciting yeah. um, and will enable us to go to other places. Yeah. Are you looking to go worldwide with it then, do you think? Yeah. I would like to, but... Yeah. Um, the whole of UK-wide would be good. Mm -hmm. So at the moment we're in four. Um, we might go into Wales, into Cardiff uh, by the end of this year, which is really exciting. But um, we will see. There's loads of interest. We also get loads of interest from everywhere. And then it's um, either people realise how much work is needed for anything to start and um, or they think that we will do everything out of the goodness of my heart in particular and, and I think yeah, yeah of course I, but we need our organization to be sustainable so trying to get those messages across are, are probably the hardest and um, so we, we learn I definitely learn as I go along um, but yeah and, and countries are different I think the the way people support their most vulnerable members of society can be different from country to country um, so we have to work within that too and yeah, and, and places that are exciting for us to go to as well. Excellent. So. Well, before, before I go to the audience, I'll ask one more question. That's if, if someone here in the audience or someone listening or watching on the video um, wanted to support Invisible Cities, is there a way to do that? Can they, can they help you with the low funding or anything? How, how can they support? Of course, support we need business? money. <laughs> Everybody needs <laughs> money. But um, I think the, the, the best thing people do is come on a tour. 
and see um, what we do and how we do it. And, and all our tours are great and they're wonderful. And all the guys have committed so much energy of themselves into those tours. Um, Daniel, who's um, our star guide in Glasgow, um, came from selling the big issue for a long time. So a lot of people recognize him from that time and he just wanted to evolve. He wanted to do something else. Um, and he loves saying it's like we're the pioneers of invisible cities in Glasgow because he is the first guide. So, you know, they deserve to be recognized for that. So I think you can see it for yourselves and, and come on the tour and recommend, recommend it to everyone. I, you know, we know that our products are um, good and that's the only thing that we can do is kind of spread them out further and further. Excellent. Excellent. Do we have any questions from the audience? Yep, we'll not go back again. <laughs> Jess is on her way. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, um, over and above your local organisation that's obviously supports the tour guides and yourselves, what, have you got any examples of best practice for the local tourism organisations helping either yourselves or the local guides? So if you're a local organisation, Tourism, so Glasgow yeah. Tourism, PLC or Edinburgh? Or um, it's a good question. Um, I think it depends because, for, for instance, in we've had the case of local um, organisations coming in and supporting us with training and or with access to their building, their knowledge, um, and that's we can't put a price on that. It also goes back to our social mission where it feels it makes our guides feel that they are being trained to the utmost standards and people invest in them. Um, so that's one way of doing it. And then it's also another way of doing it is also promoting our tours for um, their market. So I don't know, I'm trying to find examples, but so Edinburgh World Heritage, we work quite well with them um, and they um, provide us a lot of support in terms of training content um, include us in exhibitions and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, um, but yeah, have other commercial partners um, where they try to sell our tours on our behalf. That's a bit harder because un unless they've come on the tour and they know what they're selling, it's quite difficult as well. So does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. trying to understand if, it, if tourism destinations were being proactive with you in terms of this, you know, tours by a local, does, you know, doesn't matter what their background is, it's the same concept, but I, I just find, you know, some destinations are a wee bit laggard and sort of moving towards that. I've had the comment of, um, of um, a council in a city in the UK, let's say, <laughs> say, why would we support invisible cities? Because it highlights the fact that we have an issue of with homelessness. So we don't want, and then I, my answer was, do not worry. When tourists come, they will know you have an issue because we see it everywhere. It was in down south, so it was, you know, and I just, by the end of it, they were like, actually, yes, you might as well look proactive and support people who want to create solutions and do, and it's not everyone, but it's probably, again, that sense, that first initial reaction, and by the end of the conversation, it was great, but that's probably the only comment in three years that I've had Incredible. like that. Incredible. Any other questions? Yep. Sean? So I love what you do. Absolutely love what you do. Um, for me, just to understand, with the guides that you've got, do you have uh, a kind of 
action plan with them? Is this somewhere you want them to be or do you want them to grow your company with you going forward in the future or do you have a kind of set time with them to train them to get to a certain level and then want to move them on somewhere else kind of thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. So we've trained through that process and especially the first one I mentioned, 52 people. Not 52 people became guides or are still guides. So some people really come with us to be guides, to tour and to meet new people and to really, you know, um, structure their lives around that and make that commitment. Others do it um, for their confidence building and they want to access other opportunities. So we have a member of um, the team that looks at that. I look at that too. So we have plans for that. So And sometimes when we start, we know exactly. And it depends also on the organizations that people come from. So Women's Aid, for instance, refers women onto us. And I know for a fact that these women will not become guides because they don't want to be advertised on a Wednesday at 3 p.m. doing a tour with their photo being published. So for them, it's more putting a plan in place. Why do you want to do this? Is it to grow confidence, to be more sociable, to meet friends? And then what are you going to do with it later on? And even when people are guides, we do things like budgeting sessions, goal setting sessions, because um, they need that to look at what else they want to do. We reinvest our profits as a social enterprise into that development of our guides. And sometimes it means accessing other training um, sessions, training equipment. So we had a, a, a previous guide who's no longer with us who wanted to do a photography course. So that may be one um, pathway, but it's also looking at what else you want to do. So our tour in Manchester, which is by actually a wonderful gentleman from Liverpool, um, one of the tours, he is a poet and he writes poetry and he wanted to publish his book so of poems. So that's what we've done with the profit from his tour. Um, so things like that, but all of that needs to be set and we have all of these sessions which make for interesting um, times for us in the day because one time it could be a, a goal setting one hour on a one-to-one. -one. We work on a one-to-one -one basis mm -hmm. with everyone um, and that's also why it doesn't work for everyone because some people don't want to do that and and they don't want to think about, you know, think or talk about their goals and their um, ambition in the future. They just want to, to train and tour. And we are very clear about this. If you don't want to do it, then it's probably not the right um, organization for you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Any other questions? Yep, one from Frank. Hi, it's great what you're doing, and and I was gonna, I'm intrigued to know um, something you said at the very beginning about certain organisations may not be quite as um, keen to to uh, to send people uh, on tours, but because some of the guides may may have had a past where they were homeless and so on, does that lend itself then for the majority of your of the visitors who take the tours to be a lot more socially aware and perhaps a lot younger in their in their age range. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it's not necessarily your typical tourist that comes your way. It's more people who have a sort of a social conscience towards what you're doing. Would I be correct? Um, yes and no. I think so when I started I thought okay we will do my sense was that we would do a lot of tourists um, and so maybe let's say 80, 20, 80% tourists, 20% local market. And it, act, it actually is a 50-50 split. We do a lot of corporate responsibility. So team away days. We do a lot of school tours and um, a lot of events. So that's, that's the kind of local 
demographic that we have, and it's people who want to do an experience with an impact. Um, and that reflects in our kind of tourist customers are the conscious consumers. They also want to do something with a local impact on the ground. Um, and they tend to be younger from European countries. Um, yeah, so that's probably where they fit more <coughs> within that. But for the for the local um, people, it is a lot of, um, you know, Edinburgh University is a big customer of ours. Um, and they send their staff, students, new students, business school, like it doesn't matter because they find an angle <laughs> to tap into, um, you know, asking us to come for a talk and then deliver a tour. We do a lot of events, um, like I said, and it's fine. And it is um, a market that's growing. I think a lot more and more people will organize those days away for the team bonding time or, or whatever it is that they do. And they want to do it with and they want to know that it's been good. Um, so, and that ten, that is anyone and everyone who have had, you know, uh, banks come on tours, the government, like I said, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think over the last few weeks, architecture firms, you know, and, and our biggest, um, not challenge, but um, the, the biggest thing that I am the proudest of is, is schools, universities and students, because that's where you can change mm -hmm. the stigma and the approach around homelessness and and have that comment we also have that comment of it's like going on a tour with a friend and I think if you think these guys can be your friend then we win because they have had a rough past and it's quite interesting and and so kind of ed educate and the kids are the best because they will ask all the awkward questions <laughs> and we'll say did you inject drugs before you know and you're like oh my god and and we get uh, and we try to get we always say we will give an honest answer um and some of our guides have had addiction histories and some haven't, and that's okay. So I think that's where we want to go as well, is to, and it's part of our impact is, is to say, everybody, people are people, everybody's got a different story, um, and, and that's what we want to influence, so. Excellent, excellent. Yep, got a question there. I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing, because what you're doing is giving people a chance, giving them hope just because they've maybe made one simple mistake that's affected their whole life. So absolutely, totally love what you're doing because there's nothing better when you've done all the training and you've actually put a smile on somebody's face and you can, I'd imagine that you get such a buzz looking at the, the profiles of the people coming along where somebody's just gave them that wee bit of hope, their confidence is built up and then maybe two years down the road they've became, you know, they've superseded even probably what you've thought. So I think you've done an absolutely fantastic job. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's good. No, and I think um, you're right. And I like a quote. Somebody said to me once, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. But a lot of our guys didn't have one chance to start with. A lot of people in in Scotland um, who have experienced homelessness come from the care system. And then it's one thing after the other. And it's great to be able to say, no, I believe in you. I trust you, you can do this, you know, and again, have this honest um, relationship where we say, you know, I, it's our, it's my company and it's, you know, and it's our reputation. And now with the other cities, it's quite interesting as well. And you touched on that before is 
Edinburgh's reputation, will act on York's reputation, and and they all know, and they all um, and they all share with each other, and they all try to get better, and they all look at reviews together, and that's the buzz is great. You know, even when we had a guide who was feeling a bit down recently, and then he looked at some of the reviews, and he was like, I can't believe how many people from around the world I've met, and all the reviews they say, and how much they liked me, and I think, oh well, here we go. So you know, that's what even when things are a bit tough, because things are still a bit tough. Um, with mental health issues or, or whatever they are struggling with. So I think it was, it's a wonderful kind of anchor to go back to and say, look at all the incredible impact you're having on these people. And when they come to Scotland, they come on your tour and they absolutely love it. And they hear about your story and they're proud of you. It's like having we champions everywhere in the world for you. So I think um, that's good. Yeah, but thank you. Oh, uh, oh yep, one more question then. Super. Fantastic thing you're doing. What everybody else has said, I agree 100%, <laughs> so that saves me talking too much. Right. Uh, <clears throat> what I was saying, the actual angle you've got there, people travel the world and when they arrive someday, they're looking for a buzz, they're looking for some, there's a market there, as you probably know, but does it get a stage you hold back a bit? Because I know if I went to, I don't know, London, and a homeless person showed me around London, a bigger buzz than going to open top bus, so I feel as if you've got a market there, but do you want to, do you want to calm it down? No, For I don't want to say, calm it down, no. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, what I'm no, what it, becomes, yeah, yeah, it becomes like people will go, oh, I need to go there, that homeless guy and things like that. You've got to give them respect. I get all this, right? Could it get to the stage that you go to places that get better? I know it sounds silly, but you go to different people, places in Britain because you know the guides are better and they've got... Sorry to say, the stories are better. Um, I don't know about that because it's so depending on the individuals. And unless you've met the guys in London and, and I think our guys in Scotland are pretty the best, epic, obviously. of course. <laughs> um, but, and, and again, it's a big part of the success is uh, we were lucky to find guides to start with who were great. Uh, one in particular in in um, Edinburgh, and if he had been so-so, then I think we, we wouldn't have had a buzz like we, we did because a lot of it relies on him. Sometimes he knows that, so it's a bit like... But um, I think you're right. Um, it could... Um, but it, it, it depends. Um, it depends on the individuals, and what I'm conscious of is not putting people's hopes too high and, and failing them. Because, you know, I would like to go everywhere. And we often joke that when we go to California, then I've got two guides who've already signed up to do the training over there. Yeah, that's great. And we have all these dreams and these plans. But um, trying to find, um, as much as I hate it, a structure <laughs> and, uh, and the kind of plan. Because, again, we have a duty for people. And, and, and I wouldn't want, um, like you were saying, with guides who need to make a living and who need to be... Um, sustainable for themselves. I think I, that's on my mind every day. I think because if if it's not like a, with another company, if we fail, then they fail with us. And and I think that's what pushes me to kind of stop and have a think about this. And um, you understood what I meant, didn't you? Uh, like, it sounds silly, but I've travelled a lot, right? And when you go to certain places, you have buzzes, you have thrills, you have something like that. Sharp diving in South Africa. If you, I know that if I went somewhere and I'd, sad to say, maybe an unfortunate, and they could show something that a normal guy couldn't, I would go with them. 
Because yeah. I would know, I would enjoy it better. And also, sounds horrible. You feel as if you're trying to help the person. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you, you, you come away with your heart stronger. Whereas if you went with another one, you come back with all the different dates of when a building was built and things like that, which is still good, but yeah, yeah, buzz obviously. It's all about storytelling at the end of the day. End of the day, exactly. That's it. Sorry, I've spoken. Well, it's one my fault. I think uh, if anyone who specifically works or lives near Glasgow, especially anywhere near Central Station, can obviously see that homelessness is a is a problem. It's it's rife around Glasgow, and I think we need. Companies like we need people like you to do these sort of things. So I commend you. I think what you're doing is a fantastic job, and your 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 reward was uh, well justified. So thank you. So can everyone please give a massive thank you? Thank you.